I'm Nadia Cheney. I am so excited to welcome you to the Adaptogen podcast, where we learn the journeys, the obstacles, the obsessions, and the professional tips from facilitators all over the world. Because we all have a special medicine for the world, and I believe that's our that's our soul's purpose. And yeah, yeah being intimate with that, make mm-hmm. love with your self, like your 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 special your special pattern, your special song, your special light, and and yeah, become friends with that part of you and explore how it can just exude from you. Maybe it's in the most unexpected ways. I'm Rehana Tejpar. I'm in Jojage or Montreal. Um, and um, I'm a facilitator and I love, I love to create the conditions for learning and transformation towards more healthy, whole, loving, systems and ways of being with ourselves and each other and and hopefully in some way the wider world where to start i can see threads of facilitation stretching back to a preteen at a summer camp you know being a summer camp counselor and just having so much fun with all the games and designing the the days for the kids and the activities and 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 just playing in the forest and singing songs on the bus and and uh the next scene i see on the journey is being in high school and um yeah i did a lot of leadership programs um and in more of this sort of vein of, of being a mentor to younger uh, kids in the school and these like week long retreats in nature to build trust in relationship. And oh, wow. And, yeah, I was really fortunate that my school had this type of programming. And we do ropes courses and have to do trust falls and just lots of improv and open mics and and just felt, I just felt so alive and aligned and, and being a, uh, an easeful place to be. Um, and I remember this uh, school of mine, they had this, every year there was a show called The Fashion Show. And it was, uh, historically had been this one person that would work like, a, a lot in their final year of high school where you're trying to get into like university or something get good grades and 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 get all these dances together choreograph them all the students would would would, would audition and then we would put on a bunch of dance numbers and there would also be all this fashion runway stuff we'd get these stores to like sponsor us give us some clothes and then we would like model and it was this big show and um when it came the year that I was in my last year of high school no one knew who was going to lead it and no one wanted to do it alone because it was just too much work and I was like why does it need to be one person this is this is a lot of work what if we had 
like a team that did dance and a team that did fashion, three on each team, and we just did it. We separated the roles and we did it together and and it worked. It was mm-hmm. wicked. And you know, it was the first year that um, there was like this r- racial segregation in the dance teams up until that point. Mm-hmm. This is in Toronto. And there had been the dance groups that were the like there was a there was a BIPOC, mostly black, with with some like Filipino dancers. And then there was like the mostly white dance group. And for no reason, apart from, you know, historical racism and racial segregation, like there was no conscious, like, let's do this separate. It just was. Hmm. And the person who ran that, um, you know, black, mostly black dance group was my friend from, from, from kindergarten. So I was like, yo, this is crazy. I don't know why we're doing this separate. Let's just all work together, you know? So we did it together and it worked really well. And we all were happy about the collaboration. And that's when I really, I think, got my first taste of collaborative leadership Hmm. in, in what's possible and that it doesn't need to be, we don't need to do it alone. And, um, and, and then, you know, I went off to university studying political science. And in my first few weeks of school, I thought I wanted to be a diplomat and work in foreign affairs as a, a bit of a negotiator or as a peace builder, bridge builder. I didn't really know what it meant. My dad thought it was a good idea. I thought it was a good idea, you know and then go off and become a lawyer and those things. And um, because I was good at argumentation, you know, and uh, and my dad always wanted me to be like a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant, you know, he was like, those are your options. (laughs) So that was the track I was on. And then soon in, I was like, whoa, no, I like started to learn about the IMF and the World Bank and international uh, like, well, colonization on a more deeper level and neoliberalism. And then, and, and I just became really clear that my work was in building other kinds of systems for us to organize and solutionize. And that was rooted in collectivity. And I was grateful to have a really strong cohort of like-minded students that really connected deeply and began organizing uh together and um and it was the tsunami the tsunami in 2006 um really hit home in a way that mobilized us to want to to do something and that we didn't know what it was but we, we were good at hosting events and so we decided to host this fundraiser and in our way of working towards that, getting together artists and uh, putting the word out, we developed a SWAC, Students with a Collective Conscience. And, and we swag. started- SWAC. I love it. Yeah, and then SWAC lived on and we prototyped huh. with collective horizontal leadership. And okay. that was really a huge part of what we built and how we built it is a it was a platform for us as organizers to lift our projects off, to leverage collective resources amongst us and in our shared networks 
to to lead campaigns, to host, uh, you know, demonstrations, to um, fundraise for things, and then folks would just come with us and they'd say, "Look, we need we need support around this issue," and we would organize. And we worked in circle process, and we we um, taught ourselves what that was like to do check-ins and to share leadership, rotational leadership. And, um, and we started doing a lot of street theater for fun. And, and mostly at, at first it was around uh, fair labor uh, in the chocolate industry actually. And, 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 in, and, in, and in the time that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the film came out, we did an action on the street and we dressed as Oompa Loompas and we tried to raise awareness around child labor and, and, and in Africa and other Latin America around chocolate and that went so well that we we started doing street theater more often at demonstrations and that got me on to the work of Augusto Boal mm -hmm. and then that just changed my life because I felt I felt like all that I had worked on as a younger person in dance and theater because I was always in the arts and performing arts was just becoming clear with a clear purpose, it had a mm. it had a clearer mission, and and it felt light and fun in a way that um, I couldn't always feel in the the other kinds of activism that I was uh, in and around, um, and and it felt like not it felt for me that the tools of theater of the oppressed, which are are really about you know, asking great questions and exploring them together in the body, looking at our everyday injustices and from different angles and seeing where are there back doors for change? Where are there just other, other, other opportunities to tweak and nudge and titillate and transform and putting ourselves in the driver's seat all of us as agents of change, you know, and that just felt so right. It felt so empowering. It still does. And it feels also like a place of, of um, forward movement and constructive, constructive energy. Um, and, uh, and I know that about myself as a recreator and a reimaginer um, that I, that I, that it gives me a lot of, of hope, which I know it's something hard to hold on to these days. So where did the vision for Bloom come from? Yeah. It, honestly, I tried hard to use my skills as a facilitator and, and, and did so quite successfully in a variety of contexts it, at the, at, in community organizations and not-for-profits, um, mostly with young people. Um, and, and I did a lot of work in, in, in uh, different lower income racialized neighborhoods in Toronto and in Nairobi and um, developing popular education, artful popular education leadership programs with young people to reimagine their world and themselves in it. And I always felt a degree of of um, stifledness 
within the not working within community organizations dependent on funding and mm, talk about that a little bit what do you what do you mean by stifled i felt i felt like my creative genius couldn't soar i couldn't be really free to completely imagine what what was what was possible and needed um that that, that there was the mindset of scarcity and um a, that i bumped up against especially in north america less so in in kenya and in india actually i felt really like there was so much creative possibilities in those spaces that are have less material resources you know um, but in north america i felt there was sort of like, well, we have to sort of do what the funder said to do. And so we only have funding for this. And so you can do this. And then within that, you know, everything just felt so regimented within, mm -hmm. you know, within the lines. Mm. And, and what about, but like the actual addressing the roots of some of the issues we were dealing with where it wasn't on the table. And, um, and then being sort of a free spirit, I didn't work super well in a nine to five context and in an office place and under another leader. Uh -huh. I didn't <laughs> work well that way. And so I, I wanted a place where I could- Are you, I'm getting the impression that you kind of needed more flexibility or more ability to have an insight and follow it through. Definitely. Definitely. And I had also, um, yeah, I think a lot of people follow, listening can probably relate to that. Yeah, to be able to have an impulse and follow it through. It, absolutely. And to be curious and to be a bit more sovereign in in my journey um, as a creative, as a facilitator, um, just less bound, just unbound, a little more unbound and in relationship to what you know, is present with the people, my collaborators and the actual humans that we're creating with, you know, like just didn't. And I knew there was other ways of doing this kind of change work. I just knew because I had experienced other incredibly powerful and innovative uh, methodologies around like um, art of hosting and the whole uh, like unschooling movement in India and, and, um, interplay, play-based, the art of clowning, um, complexity thinking and, and, and systems change and, and really questioning the foundations of this, this, what we hold to be so sacred and structured and the way things are, you know? And I just felt that I, I wasn't, and plus I was a mother suddenly and a young one. And I needed to provide and I needed to be able to stay home or have my kid at home with me when I when I needed to. And that looked like a, that looked like, hey, you got to you got to maybe create your own pathway. And so it was in my maternity leave that I really started to just see bloom. I just started to see what if I know so many talented facilitators and this is what we do. And we maybe don't need to have to write the grant to do the work. Maybe we could just get hired to do the work. Uh-huh. Interesting. Already that intervention to not have to write the grant, which means to not have to pre-formulate it, 
to promise ahead of time what it will look like and to have someone else's money at play. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's a huge leap. Yeah. And I guess it was also like a shift of my own self-worth and power, yes. which yes. took, and it, it has taken, it took quite a while in the beginning. I, I, it was a dream. I would just journal about and drop pictures about and, and then, you know, when it, when it got time to, to Naima was one and I needed to go to work, I took a job. I took a job um, at the Elizabeth Fry Society working in harm reduction with young women in, in, in substance, substance use harm reduction. And, you know, I had a probationary period for four months and mm -hmm. I, I wasn't particularly happy there, but it was putting food on the table. And on the last day of my probationary period, I got fired. You got fired? I got fired without reason. But I knew that it was because my leadership and my boss's leadership, I, I challenged her power by the way that I wanted to be a leader. And she needed me to be smaller than, than that. And, and it took me 12 hours of grief to realize that this was the blessing that I needed to walk out and do this on my, and build Bloom, which wasn't Bloom at the time, I didn't have a name, but you know, I knew, I knew it was so clear. And so, so your vision was a place where leadership could flourish on its own terms, your own leadership. Yeah. That, that's incredible. That's an incredible starting place. Where can I thrive? Where can I bring my whole self? What an incredible story. What a gift to be fired on the last day like that. I know. <laughs> now I look and I'm like, yeah, that was a gift. And, and I mean, at the time I was in tears, you know? Of course, of course. Um, but, but, it, but even but that's I, a good reminder that sometimes these things that just break us down. Oh, yeah. From the vantage point of 10 years later or nine years later. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for getting fired. Thank you. Thank you, Efri. Thank you yeah. for being a teacher, showing me what I really needed. What you really wanted. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So then now you're, then now, now you started. How did you, where did you start? How did you start? I've already interviewed Moyo. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. I started with writing hmm. and, and talking to people and writing and talking to people and, and, and getting at what is it that is actually Manish James voice in my head, one of my mentors in India, he said to me, what's, what's unique, what's your unique selling point, your USP? <laughs> like, what's the thing that people will come to you for? And I was like, oh, oh gosh, I hope everybody listening answers that question. Right. It, yeah. It's a powerful question. It is. It's a and hard so question I, to answer. It's a hard question to answer. So there's a lot of soul searching in those. I must have written hundreds of versions and just continue, you know, just like what, just, just pages and pages of writing of what it is that I want to offer and what is essentially my theory of change. So I didn't really quite call it that, but you know, it was like, if, what if we were able to work differently together? What if we were able to be more creative and collaborative together? Like what conditions would be needed for that type of our 
you your our our like innate brilliance to shine like it was a dream for me but a dream that i wanted others to also have for themselves um and it was i you know in the journey of me allowing myself to shine uh it it it, 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 it is a kind of you know beautiful relationship of of mutuality that began to bl blossom um, bloom I know, yeah, bloom. <laughs> oh man yo but there was also a lot of tears a lot mm -hmm. of like oh, how can I even have the audacity who do I think I am like a 30 year old consultant like who's gonna hire me this is wild wild I don't have enough experience here and so actually another like the, the shadow, the shadow work that was required, there was like a very solar side of things where I was like output, writing, creating, I was, I was, I was, I was guiding schools without borders invited me as a learning partner to travel the world, getting experience and learning. So I was able to go to California to do a, a jam with arts and social change jam and explore, you know, really do some some connecting and exploring. And that led me to this amazing um, entrepreneurship course with Ryan Eliason, one of the founders of Yes, actually, uh, which was mind blowing. And then I went again to Columbus, Ohio to study with Tuesday Reinhardt and do Art of Hosting again with social presencing theater. Um, and I was able to, to work with Diane Hill, Honishani uh, uh, Elder, on my limiting beliefs and so there was this whole other moon side of things this very internal side which was about my values and my beliefs about myself the stories i had been told that weren't mine but that were all connected to not being enough mm. and um and and also about about just needing to be so, it really cracked cracked me open on what I thought change needed to look like. You know, this sort of activist formation I had, change needed to look in a particular, very like um, militant way. And that if it was too love-based, there was something wrong with it or not critical enough you know, not and serious I, enough, not, not aggressive enough. enough. So the playful part of me that was like, but I really think that like, actually, if we can connect with our hearts and minds and, and, and bring that into the spaces that we are trying to make change in the world, that that will enliven us. There was always this part that was like, mm, you're too, you're like a hippie, fluffy, no one's going to listen to you. So a lot of that inner work had to be done and, and it has continued to this day you know uh although today i do have a lot more confidence and in inner knowing um and practiced knowing that no i know the and hopefully world feedback hopefully by now you yes have. yes 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 um and then so about you know five months in or four months in it was with mutamba aka moyo um who a dear friend from from for many years before was him and I always talked about building a, a company that that could do this kind of work, you know. And so once I started to feel like I I, I don't know I I needed to be in my own bubble for for a minute, you know, before I could even really invite someone else in. But he was the first person that I invited in, and then Natty and Bridget alongside 
Naomi Tesler and um, Natty Trombley, another Natty, Natty Abdu, Natty Trombley, Bridget Tierney, Naomi Tesler and Mutamba and I, and um, those early conversations were about what is this? What, 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 what are the, what is at the heart? Um, what is the, what is the need for this kind of uh, company? What is, what are we seeing in the world that informs our purpose for as facilitators coming together to offer something? Um, and, 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 and it came out real clear, this piece around harnessing creative and collaborative potential, that really trusting that there's a lot of wisdom in spaces, but it's just not being can it we're not it, there's are obstacles for connection there are obstacles for contribution and there is inequity that make it so that those wisdoms intelligences are aren't flowing to create to to imagine possibilities which we really need at this time in our world and and um and all of us being artists knew that that was a pro was going to be something that we were going to never take off the table However, that's defined. It doesn't always look like we paint pictures together, but the artist in us is so important to uh, allow space so that that fire is fed. Um, and yeah, we developed a lot of the principles and the name Bloom came from a session where we played and did a bunch of improv and rolling around on the ground and using interplay. And then we brainstormed and Bloom came out of Bridget's mouth and we were like, oh my God, yes, that's it. So something was something was starting. And and then talk to me a little bit maybe about the methods. Like, so I hear you talking about the principles and the values, but now that you're as far in as you are, you must also have like really developed real, real methods of your own. Yeah, we do. Um, and a lot of it has, come through bringing, finding how to weave together what we've learned in our, in other spaces of, of, of learning and, and then in our own experience and then together. So there's been many layers of, of that have allowed for the for this for the emergence of what is now kind of like our approaches but i'll also say that we're always in this unknown together there isn't there isn't this formulaic approach that we have it's like okay so when we meet a client we're going to do abcd regardless of where they're at in their journey it's it's actually quite the opposite you know they're not to say that we, there aren't foundational components which i'll get to in a second but we also do really sense in and listen into what's alive and present for this organizational ecosystem and the humans that are involved in it. Um, and so I think that one of the, one of the, I mean, I, I've been really shaped by art of hosting. And um, so I feel really important in the assessment period is really understanding, like asking really powerful questions and being in the spirit of inquiry together. And that can take a few sessions of just us asking questions and listening and discerning what's this big vision that they're trying to move towards? What ultimately are they seeking? And then what is the short-term purpose that we together can work on that gets us steps closer to that vision? 
um, getting clear on like, why is that important to them? You know, and understanding um, a little bit more deeply. So what are some of these kinds of questions? I think people would be really interested in with how you, how you operate this assessment phase. Like, do you, you know, a lot of times organizations will have a vision or a mission or something like that. And they're like, here, well, yeah, you want to know what we're about? It's here. It's on paper. But that's, that's, not not always... kind of that's not the kind of vision we're asking for. It's like, you know, what, what, what's the long-term hope? What do you want long-term for this partnership or for this, you know, a lot of people come with a desire for more equity, more clarity, more collaboration, more organizational health, uh, generative conflict, you know? So it's like, what's that big that 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 not the not the utopia but at the horizon what's the furthest place you can see that would be ideal or in in your best interest and then what do you want to work together on here what's our shared work you know so what's the what's the purpose of this short this engagement piece and then underneath that it's like what is what is um what is in clay and what is in stone? Like what Ooh. can actually change and what can't? Nice. Mm -hmm. And the earlier that we know that, the better. These questions have come from also working with the outside, which I have to acknowledge, um, Tuesday Reinhardt and Tim Mary, mentors of mine that trained me in art of hosting and really gifted me with some of these questions. And then it's really about understanding like, well, who needs to participate? And how are we gonna work with their voices? What can they actually change? What can they actually influence? Because if they can influence, then there's no point in inviting them to the table. Otherwise we could just inform them of what happened, you know? And these questions get people to think about participation and inclusion in, their, in the design um, of what we're actually beginning to take, take, sort of become present to the emergence of right there. And our first meeting like it starts to like lift off the page and we're starting to see oh, oh okay um and sometimes it's clear in one meeting they're like okay yeah from here we'll run and write a proposal sometimes it's okay no we need to meet again and continue to to be in these waters a lot of this is them also learning what they want themselves and getting clarity about what that is often they know what the what they don't have and where the pain mm -hmm. points are but not mm -hmm. necessarily what could um, help those points of pain become less or relieved or, you know, what's the antidote? What's the medicine? You know, you go to a doctor and you're like, oh, my arm hurts, you know, and the doctor asks questions. No, I'm not a doctor, but, you know, I do feel like an organizational midwife at times. And so slowing down to kind of understand, to really sense in and listening with my whole body, mind, heart, spirit. Uh, and sometimes it's intuitive the questions that will come in those sessions. Um, and there's a lot that we can notice about people's openness to change. And so we're also assessing um, whether we're a good, whether they're a good fit for us. Hmm. Um, you know, we, 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 we would love to support everyone and we, we don't have the resources to say yes to all the work. And, and so we, need to be selective where we think that we could have the most impact. Mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 it's, and also 
we we're clear that we want to work with people that are ready to to change they're ready to try something different they're ready to think outside the box if 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 they're not there that's okay they may need to take some other steps before your work isn't to get them there that's you take right. them from there that's right Okay. They know they don't need to necessarily know it all. And we're obviously going to deal with resistances and obstacles that come up in the work. And yeah, our, like if someone's I, afraid of, uh, you know, they have a trauma around drawing or something that wouldn't keep them out. But more you're looking for a deeper sense of will they take a risk a, and a commitment mm. to change and mm. to going, going on a journey to look within. Mm. And to going on a journey of saying, yes, we are willing to do something different. We know that what we continue doing, what we've doing, been doing all along, that we're not we're gonna, gonna get the same result. A different <laughs> yeah. Ironically, there are people who really know that there's this, they've been, it's been alerted to them. Maybe they've been dealing with a conflict or, maybe they've been called out or maybe it's a funder that's saying you have to do this mm -hmm. equity audit and they're actually not ready for change and they're not there they haven't self-concluded that yet mm -hmm. so it's top-down dynamic which really it's not the fertile soil for new seeds to be planted in mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. you can't that's really learn through force and what we're talking yeah. about is learning and unlearning. And, um, yeah. and so one of that, that, I think that that's a core piece of our approach is, is um, So this work must push learning. you then, this work must push you all so much every time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like, do you reach your own edges as a creative person? Do you, or are you kind of, do you find yourself out in front a lot of it? I mean, it's a range. There's, there's, yeah. There's certain there's certain comfort zones that I've developed in being, um, you know, I'd say the the front end of an accompaniment is a comfort zone for me in terms of building common ground, container building, getting clear on the shared work principles of cooperation, um, and beginning to um, uplearn some mindsets and some frameworks that are, you know, some, some, some frameworks around equity and systems change and kind of all levels, all the time, personal, interpersonal, systemic, cultural, the, the elements that make up culture and how, yeah, we need to engage the minds and hearts and the behaviors and the structures. This kind of laying the foundation for a holistic change feels like a comfort zone to me. Hmm. and being in that dialogue um and then and then there there inevitably is these these um this kind of space of okay this is actually uncomfortable because we do need to face ourselves and we and 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 we are different and we don't know where to go and shit not everyone's on board and Oh no, it's so monumentous and never. And, uh, and that's where it can become really important that I stay super grounded mm -hmm. in the unknown and with them 
and, and saying, hey, well, we have these maps, these maps that we've thought of together that are going to uh, support us to bring everyone along. And we don't need to have all the answers right now. Um, but it's, a, it's like a dance sometime with their anxiety. Um, but I have to stay really clear that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get lifted up with their anxiety or their sense of urgency that it needs to happen now. You know, we're with contradictions all the time. It's urgent that there be um, equity. There, there's urgency in that people are every day being turned away from opportunities and, 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 and limited in their access to material resources that they need to survive just because of their identities, just because of the color of their skin, you know, and, and then, and then so there's that urgency. And then there's also the, there's also the fact that we can't quickly, quickly, like, take undo these, these, these hundreds of years of, of marination in, in mindsets that really are rooted in, 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 in white supremacy and, and productivity and, and, and in particular present, you know, politics or, or uh, respectability politics are like how we do things around here, the culture of the place, you know, it takes a while to undo those things. So, you know, holding the tension of slowing down while also being in the face of, of a great desire to move quickly. <laughs> Interesting. I can get all, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I hear it. It's like the, the problems are so urgent, but the, the, how can the response be measured and intentional and not necessarily have to meet that urgency with urgency, but still take it seriously. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I, and I think that that's actually part of the, the deep work of feeling again and seeing again and attuning to one another and ourselves and being in a much more compassionate mm -hmm. and inclusive relationship or, and, and uh, that, that can create enough spaciousness for all these feelings and fears and, um, and, and desires and and there's a and there's and, and all the shame and the guilt and the these things that actually stand as obstacles to change and are so easy to override because they're uncomfortable when we go fast. And in society, yeah. we're typically taught to kind of just continue to move forward and put on a good face and bury these things. But if we were to slow down with them, I do think that it opens up space for, oh. Okay, so maybe, you know, we can see each other with, be vulnerable together. I can feel a sense of, I can share myself. I can feel trusted enough to see someone else. And that, you know, may not change the whole world, but it really can make a huge difference in people's experiences of belonging and safety and connection. And I do think that that gives us a place of, of confidence and more courage to then act together from. And it's mm -hmm. like, especially in the work life, especially in your work yeah. life, where you're so typically disempowered just simply by the fact that you, you must work. There's no choice. 
in in the in the picture in the package it sort of seems like i have to do this or my family starves or i have to do this so under the auspices of i have to to be able to find that kind of personal freedom is really quite incredible that mm. people could come to work and feel well what i i hear you talking about love they could come to work and feel seen and feel known and feel like they can make mistakes and like they can connect and they're bringing, well, you were earlier talking about creative genius. Like I, I imagine you also open the door for that for a lot of people that it's possible to bring more of your whole self. You know, and a lot of people don't bring themselves because of equity concerns, you know, that I won't be seen in the ways I need to be seen to be able to keep this job. Yeah. You know, people won't take me seriously if I act like a poet. You know, and, and that and that goes deep, like in my cultural context of I act like a poet. Will they recognize it as that or will they recognize it as flakiness or a lack of intelligence or like I don't understand or these kinds of things. So when you're normalizing these different ways of being um, and bringing them into the workspace, it seems like it could change somebody people's worlds, which is the world finally. Yeah. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I'm also really curious about where you get this. I don't know if you can answer this, <laughs> but it seems like there's a real unconditionality or like a sort of a wellspring that you need of energy that you need to be able to bring to these. Like it seems you're going to face people's anxieties, their obstacles, their blocks. And then I don't know, is it, are you always working on the team together or how do you tap into those sources of energy or love? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question I think that I honestly feel this burning desire for <laughs> all of us to to be more free and alive and and connected to who we are and and to the to to this the sacred the sacred and i i feel so much i see i see i feel genuinely excited for the work you know it excites me and that gives me a lot of energy to continue doing it and i have fun and that like I have fun in in, in working with my collaborators I, I work with some of them my dearest friends and I feel so blessed to get to collaborate and that journey of collaboration involves you know hanging out and and just talking about our lives and checking in with each other mm, so your workplace is also kind of full of this love yeah yeah I see that as a source it is a huge source yeah. and that I know I can drop in and say oh my god I'm having a terrible day I need to talk about this other thing that's going on in my life will you hold space for me and to feel that support of wow. care is gives me so much resilience to continue and to know that I'm you know uh, people have got my back and and I've got others that that is huge um 
and 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 as a creator, just getting the chance to always be inventing. There's no day that is the same as another. And I feel very, very blessed to say that. Yeah. And I love it. It's really fun. Um, and I dance and that's a huge source of my uh, health and well-being. And I journal and I read poetry, especially <laughs> mystical poetry. Um, and I just want so much to be in love all the time. Yeah, I know that about you. <laughs> and I'm sure all of your, I'm sure all of your clients, I mean, it must be so incredibly refreshing to encounter Bloom as a client. I can just, I can, I can just imagine. I wonder, um, so as people are listening to this, I can imagine they're pretty inspired uh I wonder if you have any tips for maybe somebody's listening who's like really at that edge of should I or shouldn't I or or they're new to facilitation or I wonder if you have any tips or advice or anything like that for them someone's listening and they're like oh I want a life like that I want to work like that <laughs> Wow. Well, I would say it's absolutely possible and, and follow your heart and, and find the supports that believe in you. Um, surround yourself with people that are going to fan your flames. <laughs> You know, like, yeah, they're gonna say, Yes, I see that in you. Yes, I really, I can, I can, I can, I can mirror that, can mirror your gifts back to you. Um, get curious about your USP, <laughs> your unique selling point. Like, what, <laughs> what's the special medicine that you bring to the world? Because we all have a special medicine for the world, and I believe that's our that's our soul's purpose and yeah. yeah being intimate with that make mm -hmm. love with your self like your 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 special your special pattern your special song your special light and and yeah become friends with that part of you and explore how it can just exude from you. Maybe it's in the most unexpected ways. Maybe it's in a current job you're in that you're tapping more into that part of you and building the muscle and building the awareness, building the like recognition of like, oh, this is me in my flow state. Oh, I mm, think things mm. that feel easy are also really good to pay attention to. Not that everything that we do that we find easy is what brings us joy. However, I think things that come with ease are things to, to, to notice. Sure. To notice. Maybe it's, it could be my purpose or I have to question why it's so easy. And maybe there's a transformation there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 Um, and, and like in terms of facilitation, like I, I think that everyday life is got tons of opportunities for facilitating connection contribution to make things easier you know that we can do that while cooking with our 
partner or while, uh, you know, help helping out, uh, you know, uh, someone in the grocery store that, 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 that needs some help. I don't know. It's just like being facilitative as a mm. way of being is, mm. I think, part of what we need to have more collaboration and creativity in the world. And that can happen anywhere. Um, and and that and walking walking out walking out of a conventional job into an entrepreneurial life is a leap of faith and I, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's mm -hmm. not easy to do. Uh, for 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 me, it wasn't easy to do, and I needed to build in a lot of safety measures in order to build that bridge. You know, I, I, I took a bunch of jobs in those early years of building bloom that kept me going financially while I invested so much time for unpaid labor. And um, I, some of those were great opportunities. Some of those I just did because they paid me and that's mm -hmm. what I just had to do, you know? Um, and so, and, and I, and up until a couple of years ago, uh, you know, I had I had like work in places that 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 I just maintained, so that I could not panic at the end mm -hmm. of the month when my mm -hmm. rent was due. So it's okay to do this a transition in in a gentle way that reduces the harm. Um, and also to like get curious on your thoughts on abundance and scarcity, because I feel like walking out really for me was so much around sowing or actually like feeding the seeds of abundance in me and actually like just 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 composting many seeds of scarcity that had been sown in me and uh, in our society as a whole. Um. Wow, what a beautiful answer. Thank you so much. Wow, I really am excited for people to hear this. I have one more question if you're up for it, which is about, so at, you know, at this point you have a, a, a level of expertise. You're really someone that people go to and, and, um, and can learn from. And I wonder, like, I know that it's, I know that you're a learner, like that this is something that is is really important for you and i wonder where's your edge these days like what is the what is the question in facilitation that's really interesting to you and 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 compelling and that's maybe changing you what what are you working on i love the question well the place my mind first goes to is um actually implementing the the when we begin to scale at that stage of an organization where you know we've we've sort of incubated a prototype for how we're going to do some change and and we've developed sort of our clear our framework or some clarity and there's there's been a lot of reflection and 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 now we're really going to move into the the phase of of 
folks being their own leaders of the work in the organization and stewarding these models in for themselves to mm -hmm. them to one another with one another and i move from leading from the front to leading from the back and and supporting them to facilitate and evaluate their own indicators of success or their own goals and getting all the voices at the table to be engaging on the development of this new these plans when there is structural imperfections which there will always be but that could stand in the way of, of this actually working and and it, and it and it can't be all addressed at once so we have to keep moving on things we have to make these little changes and know that the wheel of change continues to change and then those little changes are going to change the structure but the, the structure is going to change those little actions and like this this wrote this thing that's just going to continue wheeling forever and ever more and being in <laughs> sort of in like you know year two i feel like that kind of gets to be crunchy some of that like okay now we got to actually like get get dirty and and like i mean like put our hands in the mud and be in the ring or the arena as brene brown says and now actually fail mm. actually now watch us try and fail or try and succeed and and where the morale can sort of get low people get excited in the beginning and then they start to see the weight and they're like oh my god it's so big and um and, and and yeah, really wanting to lean into a participatory approach that doesn't create a high dependency on 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 us, so that we can leave. That's where it feels like uh, exciting and edgy. Yeah, and yeah, because there's a there's like a type almost, or like a a calling for this work. And now you're like, well, can you take this work on even if it's not you didn't know it was your calling or you've uh -huh. been working in a different way so how can how do you almost like wake that up in leaders wow yes. and yeah. then uh, no and, and and figuring out how to support them as they wake up and are waking up in in very imperfect structures or yes. or structures that are detri detrimental to that that spirit and so being with the multiplicity the tension of people who really want it and are willing to to do whatever they can and a structure that is really old and set and 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 so what are those it, 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 i think dealing de moving with the that and the scarcity what always feels like a scarcity of time that is a that is an edge for us i think as well as like how do when do we know when to say okay this is all the time this organization can give on this thing and so let's do the best we can with this and when do we say, sorry, our experience shows that that's really insufficient. And so we'd rather you consider more or we'll walk away and, 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 and release the fact that we could have done something helpful in that short time that we see as needed and desired, but say, well, we, but we choose to have greater impact. And so we're gonna walk away and not do something open a can of worms that we can't really uh, work with sufficiently. And that's a tricky one. I think oh, that I am still, I you have still, to know yourself, know your work, believe there's more work coming. 
Yes. And, and, and I think there's a tension between the strategic um, thinking and popular education, meeting mm -hmm. people where they're at. Mm -hmm. And just it's enough if we just do this. And I think I've got two parts, they're both in me. And I'm not sure which time, which in which moment to use which approach and, and they're both, or both, how can I marry them? And, and sometimes the scales tipped more to one side than the other. Great. Oh my gosh. This has been incredible. Just brilliant. Thank you. Thank for the interview, but also for just this incredible work and this huge leap of faith that you've taken. Mm. It's really, really inspiring, Rihanna. Thank Aww. you so much. Thank you for being also such a bright light in this world and the work that you're doing that's opening up minds and hearts and spaces and so much, so much, so much actual reimagining is part of what you're doing in your sacred work. And I, I really just see you and, and bow to the, the majesty of your brilliance and thank Aww. you. Thank you Thank for your you. curiosity and your invitation. This is really exciting. I can't wait for people. I'm really excited. Like I've now we've talked to Moyo and you, and we're going to talk to the rest of Bloom team. And I, I wasn't sure. I was like, let's do this experiment. What's it like to talk to a whole team? But now I see like having heard his story and yours, I think there's going to be something really valuable for people who are putting teams together. And for people who are thinking about collaborative leadership, that they can hear from the Bloom team each perspective. I mean, I don't know where we're going to go with Nati and Bridget and, but I, and Yami. And, but I think, I think that there's going to be something very special here where we can see what, what it means to bring multiple perspectives to the table. It's ah. like, oh, there's all the Bloom facilitators. And then there's what emerges from that. And that will be tacit you know, and people will be able to feel it rather than hear it. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I'm Rehana Tejpar. I'm in Jojage or Montreal. Um, and um, I'm a facilitator and I love, I love to create the conditions for learning and transformation towards more healthy, whole, loving systems and ways of being with ourselves and each other. And, and hopefully in some way, the wider world. <laughs>